Welcome to another episode of BHP Book Club. I am your host, Kelly Morgan. Today I'm speaking with author Stephen Howard. Now, Stephen's written 22 books and counting, and today we are talking about book 22, How Stress and Anxiety Impact Your Decision-Making, Making Better Decisions, Driving Better Outcomes. I can't wait for you to meet him and speak with him. Let's just get right to it. Welcome to the book club, our newest member, author, Stephen Howard. Stephen, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and being a part of the book club. Welcome. Thank you very much, Kelly. I appreciate it. I'm looking forward to talking with you and uh, getting to know you and your audience. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm really excited to talk about your book, How Stress and Anxiety Impact Your Decision Making, especially in the climate that we live in today's world. We were just saying everybody has stress, right? There, there's a little bit of stress out there. A little bit <laughs> of stress. a little bit. <laughs> but I also learned that there's good stress and there's bad stress right? Is that true? Would you agree with that? Absolutely. I mean, athletes know that for sure. I mean, um, you know, they, you get in a stressful situation in a, in a sporting contest, your adrenaline kicks in and look, probably most of us at some point in our life, we faced a deadline. I remember in college, I used to put my term papers off to the last week sometimes. And boy, that stress of having to get to meet that deadline, you know, is good. It gets you sometimes into what's called flow, but it's prolonged stress. It's, it's, um, the hard stress that's not good for our bodies and not good for our brain and, and certainly impacts the way we make decisions. Right. So we'll get into your book, but I'm interested in you as an author. You have published 22 books and counting, <laughs> right? So how long have you been publishing books? Oh, the first book came out in 1993 um, when I was living in Asia at the time, a publisher from approached me about us a marketing topic that I was uh, kind of well known in Asia for as a branding expert a corporate branding expert so my first book was on the, the topic of corporate image management and how you create a corporate brand without worrying about colors and logos but really how you create the corporate culture and I've been writing ever since and yeah 22 books and counting and hopefully it continues into the 30s are they all nonfiction books Yes, everything is nonfiction. Uh, the early books were about marketing related subjects. Then uh, I did a series of quotation books, Asian quotation books from the collections that I had um, collected while I lived in Asia. And now the last uh, probably five have all been on leadership uh, topics related to leadership. So let's talk about this book. Is this book number 22? This book is number 222, and it really, it's, it's the one that's not just for leaders, it's for the general public. So, how stress and anxiety impact your decision making, making better decisions, driving better outcomes. So, I know that a lot of people tend to make decisions when they're under stress, because sometimes you have to, yes. right? You have to make those decisions, but how can you... How can you manage that? How can you begin to make better decisions? Like, where does your book start? Where do you take us? 
Well, the first and the first thing, the first takeaway I would say from the book is uh, I encourage people to become first responders, not first reactors. And I tell a story in the book that when I lived in Asia, I learned to scuba dive, and I, I got up. Uh, certified to a rescue diver. The first thing they teach you in rescue diving is just somebody's yelling, help, help, help. Just don't jump off the boat and go swimming to them. You have to stop, assess. Are there fishing nets that you could get tangled in? Are there jellyfish? Um, is the current going the different direction than you thought? Um, you know, is there oil in the water? And you know, of course, everyone thinks is there sharks in the water, but you, honestly, you don't see that very often. This is why our AMTs are called first responders. The same thing, when they approach a car accident, they don't jump out of the ambulance or the fire truck and go running. They stop, is there smoke, is there gasoline, is there electrical lying down? That's why they're called first responders. That's what we need to do in our personal lives and professional lives. We need to pause. One of the tips I recommend is asking some good questions, but we need to pause, collect our thoughts and let the rational part of our brain take over. Because when we're under stress, the emotional part of our brain is in charge. And that's what leads us to bad decisions or less than optimal decisions. So are you saying that it that when we're in a stressful situation, before we just make that, that snap decision, we should take a minute and, and pause and try to figure things out, maybe take a breath? At least, and, and one of the reasons for this, quite frankly, is that when we are in stress and when our brain, the emotion part of our brain's in charge, our brain to protect itself goes into what's called binary decision-making mode. It looks for either or, A or B, black or white, this or that, uh, now or then. And it limits our choices on purpose. And what we often need to do when we have to make a, a really good decision is we need more than one or two choices. So that's when you pause and start to think or ask a question. Okay, what else could we be thinking about? What if we did this? What if we combined A and B together? We need to have better options to have better optimal decisions. So how can people, you know, when sometimes when you're in situations, how can people reduce the stress so that they can make a better decision? Well, Mother Nature is the best doctor we have. So if you have a chance to go outside, get some fresh air, uh, walk away from the situation for a few minutes. Um, if, it's, if it's warm enough, get some sun on your face or skin, let the, let the wind blow across your, your arms, your face. Anything like that will help you calm down. And then you have to make the rational decision. The rational decision is, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to make a rational decision. And that's why I say, the first thing you have to do is make that decision. Then you'll get into rational mode. Interestingly, science says that when you make that decision, say, okay, I'm gonna be rational. I'm gonna look for more options. It takes roughly eight seconds for the rational part of your brain. That's the prefrontal, uh, sorry, prefrontal cortex at the front to take over from the amygdala, which is buried deep in the back of your brain. So that eight seconds is all it takes for you to get more rational. So how many, how many decisions do you think people make per day? Research shows that we, believe it or not, we adults make roughly 32,000 decisions a day. Now, most of those are unconscious. Uh, like when you get dressed, you put your right shoe on first or your left shoe. If it has laces, do you put the right shoe on and then lace it? you put the right shoe on, then the left shoe, and then which shoe do you lace first? So those are all unconscious decisions. But that's one of the problems with decision-making. We're running on autopilot. So much of 
part of the day. And then when it when we need to make a, a good decision, if we don't if we don't change out of autopilot mode, we just make those snap decisions that are less than optimal. But yeah, something like thirty two thousand decisions every day we make. It's crazy. Thirty two. That is crazy. And and then I didn't even think about like you said the ones that you don't even think about, right? Just when you mentioned the shoes, I was like, yeah, I kind of do that all the time. Which one do I do? Yeah, absolutely you, right. Where do you put your purse? Where do you put your keys? Where you know? Where do you put your newspaper? You know what? We are such routine animals. Um, but unfortunately, what that means though is that if you made a decision, I was talking to a lady a week ago, and she runs a call center, and she says, "How do I make better decisions?" I said, "What do you do when somebody calls in sick?" I said, "Well, I call so and so to come in." I said, "See, that's your first reaction. You always call the same person because last week that person came in. This week they're going to come in. But have you ever thought if you keep calling the same person to work overtime week in and week out, they're the most likely candidate for burnout? So now you need to pause and think. Whoa, how often have I called that person? Maybe I should call somebody else this time." But if not, you work on autopilot. You're just going to pick up the phone and call so and so and say, "Can you come in this afternoon? So and so sick." And that's not an optimal decision. It's a good short-term decision, but it's not maybe an optimal long-term decision. Right. So you had mentioned when we first started talking, you had talked about prolonged stress. Give me an example of what you would consider a prolonged stress. Uh, COVID nineteen. <laughs> ding 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 ding. ding. <laughs> In honesty, I mean, but but and then everything associated with that: lockdown, no lockdown, mask, no la- mask, vaccinations, no vaccinations. All those things, the up and down, the changes that are constantly going on. You know. Um, governments, even city governments making mandates for vaccinations and employers not. So yeah, that, that we've been under prolonged stress for a long time. And then obviously things like if you're working from home and having children being schooled from home at the same time, if your significant other or spouse is working from home, you have three people, four people trying to do Wi-Fi meetings at the same time. Internet's blowing up on you. Uh, <laughs> you haven't seen your your other relatives for a few months. Yeah, there's a bit of stress going on. Pretty much prolonged stress. And that is not good. But that's something that we can't get away from right now. So what well, we what can we do? We manage it. You, just, you know, we're never going to get away from stress. We have to manage it. The same thing. I mean, organizations, when they go through change, they merge or they have huge layoffs or they divide themselves into two. All of those are prolonged periods of change, which are prolonged periods of stress for some people, maybe not everybody. We have to manage stress. And that's what the book's all about. It gives you tips about managing your emotional stress, managing workplace stress. Um, part of it is, is, for instance, one thing we can do is exercise 20 to 30 minutes, three or four times a week will help help reduce your stress. It'll help reduce your blood pressure, uh, better eating habits. Uh, one of the unfortunate side effects of the pandemic has been uh, binge eating, binge <laughs> drinking, and even worse, um, some increase in, in domestic abuse, whether it's spousal abuse or children abuse. Uh, but again, um, in some way, I'm not, I'm not rationalizing of this, but it, Prolonged stress, there's a part of our brain called the ACC, the anterior uh, circulate, I can't remember the name of it right now, but the ACC, it controls how we react. And 
under prolonged stress, it actually gets smaller. It actually gets reduced. And that's one of the reasons we saw the binge eating and the binge drinking and the, the binge um, family abuse in the, you know, the early days, uh, early days of the uh, pandemic. Yeah, I, I would agree what they call it. I think everybody in the pandemic at one point in time was, was binge eating as a way to try to cope, especially when we're all locked down. Yeah, and there's yeah. not and there's nothing to do and there's nowhere to go. So, absolutely. So, does your book? Can you share with us some other tips besides exercise and eating healthy? Because those are the two that you always hear about reducing stress. But what do you give tips? Is like maybe how to reduce work stress, especially like you said, if you're working from home and then you've got the pandemic and all these changes and mandates. And do you give us tips on just how to cope on a day-to-day basis? There's tips in the book about that. And there's also the, the first tip is to understand yourself. Um, when you're, each of us, when we're under stress, our body will send signals to the brain. It could be upset stomach. It could be tightness in our neck, our shoulders. Um, it could be sweaty palms or whatever. Uh, here's a real simple one. You can do this at work, and I'll, I'll, but I'll tell you how to do it at work. But you can do it in the home place. All you have to do is clench your fists tightly for five seconds and then throw them out. I mean, really throw them out and then tighten them real tight and throw them out. You do that five, six, seven times. You'll start to feel the muscles in your back relaxing, the tension going away, whatever you're feeling. Now, people say, I can't do that work. I say, sure, you can. Do it on the table in the conference room. I can do, I'm doing it right now while I'm talking to you and you can't see my hands, but you, I can feel and just boom. So that's a simple technique. Um, take two minutes off, particularly in between meetings. If you can put on some soothing music on a podcast, don't look at, don't look at email messages. Don't look at text messages. Give your brain a break and listen to you know one track if you have it just one soothing song instrumental song and if you can if you're particularly at home close your eyes um think about a beautiful waterfall or think about a beautiful sunrise or you know think about you know something your children did recently that made you laugh um anything like that that will help you reduce the stress in the moment you know i think that uh obviously when you make decisions when you are calm you make better decisions but sometimes you do have to make those snap quick decisions because you don't have a choice do do you give us tips on maybe how to deal with after we've made that decision because that can cause stress as well yeah, I mean, one of the first thing, well, laughing, laughter is a good thing. Just laugh about, oh, geez, what, a, what an idiot I was. Um, you know, just uh, how stupid was I to make that decision? Laugh at yourself a little bit helps. Um, look, we're human beings. We're, I, look, I write about the stuff. I still make just bad decisions. I still get angry. I hope my emotions can overcome stuff. I think a lot less than years ago, but um, we're all human beings and uh, we have to realize that. Yeah, uh, go back and, and analyze what made you make that decision or why couldn't you take two minutes i mean how many times can't you i mean unless it's an emergency situation obviously you have to react immediately but why can't you take two minutes sometimes uh one of the ways to buy your time and here's here's a tip i tell people and, and this has worked so for, so well for me as a consultant is sometimes your first response would be somebody says what do you think about this thinking you're going to make a decision my pet response now is, you know what? I think I need to think about it. 
give me five minutes, 30 minutes, two hours, whatever time I think I, depending on the, how big the decision is and, or my recommendation, buy me some time. Is that okay with you? And 95% of the time people, yeah, I can wait half an hour. You know, sometimes no, sometimes, you know, and obviously if it's your boss and your boss is demanding, is a very demanding person, wants responsibility, that's life. You have to deal with it and then just give them the best answer response you can. But that little phrase, I think I need to think about it. Let me have X period of time. It works wonderful. And I don't think most people even think about saying that. I think they just give a response. Because we're on autopilot, and and you know we're we're, we're you know particularly in the workplace, what do, what are we paid for in the workplace to make decisions? <laughs> so yeah, is it a weakness to take your time to make decisions? No, but we you know, we we have a meeting to go to, we got a phone call to do, we got some report that we're working. Let's just make a quick decision. We're so we're on autopilot, and we got to get off autopilot to make better decisions. I'm not doesn't mean you're making a bad decision. What I'm talking about is, well, sometimes they are bad decisions, but how do you make a more optimal decision? better decision so you don't have to course correct i'm amazed at how much time and effort is put in particularly in the workplace of people spending time correcting course correcting based on a previous decision that either they or somebody else made if, if, if we made better decisions up front productivity would skyrocket because we wouldn't spend all this time in meetings figuring out oh that didn't work now what do we do and course correcting well, and sometimes too, I think in business and sometimes in life, if you don't have to make a decision right away, then maybe you shouldn't. If you have the time to actually research and learn more about making that decision. But sometimes I don't think some of us do. We live in such a, such a society where it's always now, 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 mm -hmm. that taking your time and making decisions, I don't see a lot of people do. And when I think about it in my own life, sometimes I don't either because I feel like I need to make a decision quickly. And sometimes I don't. No, and that's why I wrote the book. I'm trying to encourage people figure out when you can find the time, even if, again, if it's just two to five minutes to make it be more rational, don't make a snap decision. But, um, you know, otherwise you get frozen. You, you're going to look for just two options, two choices. And that's not always, sometimes neither of them is the most optimal decision for you. Yeah, I would agree because, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm reflecting in my own life and with the times where I've made what I perceive to be good decisions and that's when I've taken my time and then when I've made bad decisions where I've maybe rushed rushed yeah. the process a little or maybe rushed into and not maybe had all the information. Um, I like what you said about being first responder in your in your own life. Can you talk more about that? Because I've never heard that before. Uh, no, I created that. I created that that concept in, in, the, in the book. Um, Oh, I don't know if I can give you let me off the top of my head an example. Um, but yeah, here's here's an example. And some of this you can prepare for also because things that happen causes a stress. So, you know, before the pandemic, I used to fly a lot. I probably flew 40 times a year. And, you know, I would probably have at least eight flight delays, major flight delays, not just a 10 minute delay, but, you know, it's going to impact a connection. It's going to impact whatever. Um, I always prepared for that by bringing reading material with me to the airport on my, in my carry-on. So, uh, you know, excess reading, not something I was planning to read on the plane, but you know what, if I get a two hour delay in an airport, 
I'm not gonna just sit there and watch cable news, which by the way, is one of the biggest stressors in our lives. I'm not gonna watch cable news in the airport. I'm gonna find a quiet place, pick up my iPad, pick up my Kindle and you know, read a document, read, read a book. Maybe in my own case, maybe I'll, I'll edit one of my pieces of work while I'm sitting there. So make use of those times so you don't feel it. Because if you're sitting around waiting for things to happen, that's highly stressful and it just adds to the stress. There's nothing you can do about it. It's either the weather or the plane malfunction or whatever. You're going to be delayed. Work with it. And, and being that kind of resiliency, having that resiliency, knowing that even if I miss my connection, there's another connection later. Yes, I'm going to get in later than I planned, but I'll still be there for my meeting tomorrow. Or if I'm not, people will understand I missed the meeting because of the flight. People are, you know, understandable. It's not ideal situation. Why stress over it anymore? There's nothing I can do about it. So yeah, that's that's one of the key things. Going back to what you said earlier, also though, everything's on an extreme. And you know, you talk about taking time to make a decision. You can take too much time sometimes. So I'm not. We call that paralysis by analysis, where we ask, always asking for new information, new data. And there's a lot of people in the workplace or even their personal lives who postpone decisions. I think what people have to understand is when you make a decision not to make a decision, that in itself is a decision. Is a decision. Yeah, thank you. You took the words out of my mouth. So, so you are making a decision. Just make a decision to postpone it. So, there, you know, it's an art. There's a fine line, and um, you have to do what's best for you. Yeah, you know, I like what you said about you can take too much time to make a decision, and so you do have to, you know, find what's optimal for you. Either, like you said, either it be five minutes or five hours whatever that looks like for you right. but you know you will probably make a better decision i also like what you said about uh, being prepared um you can't always be prepared but a lot of times if you are traveling and that could be car plane bus whatever you're right if you do prepare for things and just realize that it is it kind of is what it is isn't it it is what it is and you have to you know yeah you kind of have to also i mean resiliency and, and one way to reduce stress put every situation to one of three buckets there's either something that you can control you can make a decision whatever there are things that you can influence. You may not be the final decision maker, but you can influence it. And there are things that are totally out of your control. Unfortunately, most people spend most of the time thinking about that last bucket. And that it's, it's just causes stress and it raises your blood pressure and it doesn't do you any good. So resiliency is all about figuring out, okay, this is, I can influence this situation by making another decision. You know, I, maybe I go in my example before, I go find another airline, I try and switch airlines, I rent a car, you know, if it's a, if that's possible, go to another airport. You know, there are other things I can influence the outcome or I can influence my client by making them understand I may miss, say evening's dinner, I may miss tomorrow morning's morning session, but I'll be there for the afternoon, whatever it happens to be. And, but then there are things that I control and those are the decisions that you can make and, and go forward with. Yeah, I would agree. I think that um, when you when you take the time, I like the idea of preparing for for especially like when you're traveling and things. I never thought about that. Usually, I'm, I'm prepared subconsciously, but not really not expecting to be delayed. I guess. Yeah. Nobody's expecting. Nobody's to be delayed, right? <laughs> but you're right, especially now. Um, you can expect travel to be delayed just in the world that we live in. 
um, whatever's going on. So I think preparing, and then honestly, Stephen, honestly, what you said is just, you made me think of just letting things go that you cannot control. And I think some of us try to control everything and it's just almost impossible to do. Or we worry about potential outcomes. Um, um, you know, I was talking to a friend last night about something, you know, um, and they're talking about, well, they, they're going to Disneyland in Orlando and their son has one vaccine shot. And, you know, what if they can't get the second, and they live in Mexico, by the way. So, and what if we can't get the second vaccine in time before he flies to meet family members in Miami and then go to Disney World in Orlando? And I said, Look, you've just spent 20 minutes talking about what ifs, what ifs, what ifs. Look, he's either going to get his second shot before he arrives or before he leaves. If he doesn't, your family member can take him to CVS in Miami and see if they will give him the second shot based on his certification from Mexico. And if they can't, he's not going to be able to go to Disney World. I mean, boom, boom, boom. That's it. There's none of that you can control. You know, so why why spend 25 minutes worrying about it and then lose sleep for the next three weeks until you find out whether or not he when he he gets his second in vaccination in Mexico or whether he get it at CVS in Miami or whether he can find another way to get into Disney World in Orlando. I'm, I'm sorry, but it's quite frankly, it's that simple. Yeah, and you're right. You know, but you know, you're, you're right. A lot of us do kind of make up all these scenarios that will probably never happen. Exactly. Right. But we make them up anyway, just to add stress to an already stressful situation. You are 100 exactly. percent right. Well, I like the idea of the book and I like I like the idea of trying to find a way to help overcome stress so that you can make better decisions. As so as you say, you can get better outcomes. I don't think people really sometimes look at it that way. A better decision means a better outcome. Sometimes a decision is simply, to most, just a decision. Sometimes. And, and we're talking about you know, not everything. I mean, when you you know go to your favorite restaurant, I'm not saying you need to take <laughs> 20 minutes to decide what you want on the menu, particularly if it's your favorite restaurant, you probably already know what your favorite food is. Right. But, you know, when they're, when they're you know, important decisions, when they, when you have to, when it's best to get multiple options, when it's, uh, it's going to impact several people or have a huge financial impact either on you or your business or whatever it is. Yeah. Get away from autopilot is the key message. Respond, I like that. respond, don't react. Get away from autopilot. Steven, thank you so much for being a part of the book club and coming on the podcast. Tell me the name of the book again. How stress and, how stress and anxiety impacts your decision-making. And where and, is it available? On Amazon, paperback and Kindle around the world. Um, and, and, and that's it. I, I self-publish. I just kind of rely on Amazon uh, for, you know, they got like 80% market share or something. It's just easier for me. Have you self-published all of your books? No, I've, I've published, uh, the first book was by a UK publisher. And then I did a joint publishing venture with a publisher in Singapore for, I don't know, the next seven or eight books. And then probably after that. So probably the last dozen have been self-published. Um, but, you know, if you go back to 1993 when, and to, you know, almost the year 2000, self-publishing was not a viable option. That's what I was going to ask you about that because it was yeah. not really 
known. There was no no avenue to do that. Really. Well, you could. There was the vanity presses, as they were called, but you'd have to buy like 500 copies or a thousand copies. Your book, print them, put them in your garage or your closet or something. And you know the beauty the beauty now Amazon you know just changed the industry and and you know everything's print on demand uh, pretty much around the world for Amazon. So you know they you know I know they now that some of my books you know the more they sell i know that they keep 20 or 30 copies now in warehouses around the country so they can ship in one day but you know some of the older titles quite honestly they um they, they print on demand so you don't get them for four or five days or something like that but you know they, they got the cost down so they can print inexpensively and ship it out quickly and and it's it's great for authors i tell you it's one of the best things that's happened to to people who want to publish yeah i would agree it's, it's allowed a lot of people to be able to realize their dream of being a published author without having to write a query letter or get an agent or a publisher, you can now do it on your own. So I agree with you. Stephen, like I get, like again, thank you so much for, for coming on the podcast and being a member of the book club. I appreciate you. My, my pleasure and uh, thank you for the opportunity and and uh, good luck to to the podcast I, and I'm glad to see you building an author or sorry an audience I should say of building an audience of uh, readers which is as an author it's something we appreciate absolutely thank you thank you thank you for listening to another episode of BHP book club. I am your host, Kelly Morgan. I just wrapped up with author Stephen Howard, and we talked about his book, How Stress and Anxiety Impact Your Decision-Making, Making Better Decisions, Driving Better Outcomes. He gave some great tips on how to deal with stress and even gave us examples of what prolonged stress is. If you are an author and you would like to be a member of the book club and come on the podcast, it's really easy. Go to the website, brightheadedpublishing.com. Go to the contact section, drop me a line. We will get together and make sure that you become a member of the book club and that you have the opportunity to promote your book on the podcast. All genres are welcomed. I do not discriminate. I just love to help authors promote their books. That's what this podcast is all about. Thank you so much for listening and spending time with me. I truly appreciate it. Next week, another author, another journey, another story. But until then, keep writing.